This is the Cast. So this is a little bit of an unusual turn. I am starting the show today. And the reason I am starting the show today is because uh, Cody has not recently seen the Pacific Division uh, standings. And, you know, we're about a week and a half into the season. Uh, The Canucks have played six games. Uh, That's a pretty, I would say that's as good a time as any to kind of like start taking a look at where teams are at. Because this is really like the first, the first bit of the season can make or break your year, right? Like you can. Yeah. It can completely change how team how teams look at the rest of the year, how they approach uh, the rest of the season, like your mentality. So I feel like this is a good place to start with. And so, I'm Cody. I'm gonna tell you that what you should do is I'm gonna just read out the names. I'm gonna read out the points, uh, the place where the place they are in the standings, and you just let me know when something sounds a little weird to you. Okay. Okay. So in first place, uh, currently uh, undefeated, five and zero. The Edmonton Oilers, 10 points. They have got 10 points. They have, uh, I, I would say personally that that one is one of those cases where literally with the Oilers because of who they are, plus <laughs> and having Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, they could finish anywhere between yeah. 82 and 0 and yeah. 0 and 82. And I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, like, that, that tracks. Ex- yeah, that tracks. Exactly. Okay. In in second place, uh, very much as we all would expect, you know, um, four with a four and one record, eight points. Uh, the San Jose Sharks. Uh, who? I guess that's a bit weird, but not surprising. Not they're, surprising. Yeah, they're like a they're, bit rebuilding. They they're were rebuilding. so bad last year that it's like they transcended like where they usually are. That that I can believe that they would start their season with like a four and one record. They also, of course, have a former Canucks prospect, Jonathan Dolan, lighting it up for them. And other Canucks prospect, Jonah Gadjevich, who scored right. his first point in his first NHL game this season. Uh, point per game pace for Jonah. Good for him. Uh, but yeah, that 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 tracks for me for the, how early we're talking in this season is like that tracks. Not okay. too weird. Not too weird. OK, OK. Uh, in in third, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, with, uh, of course, their six games played, the, uh, the second, the tied for the most in the division. They have a 3-2-1 and one record uh, with seven points. And I'm, obviously, we're going to talk plenty about <laughs> that record right now. But seven points, third place. That's right about uh, where I that, think we expect that them tracks. to be. It is a yeah. bit surprising because it is not that very impressive of a record. 3-2-1 and one isn't really that impressive. Mm-hmm. But first, I mean, seven points gets you third. This early in the season, I believe it. It's not too weird. Not too weird. Okay. Uh, in fourth place, uh, t- tied, I should say, I guess technically tied for fourth place, uh, are the Calgary Flames. They're 2-1-1. One, and one. They played four games. They have five points. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side, play, having played two games more, having played two games more than Calgary, same amount of points, uh, are the Anaheim Ducks. They're 2-3-1. and one. They're 2-3-1. and one. That's, a bit, that's a bit of a weird one. Really? Anaheim, I thought, would be just dead last for the entire season that 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 <laughs> is that that is where i would expect i would agree with you i expected anaheim yeah. to be last uh, even like like three games in the season like i would have been like yeah there's no way they should win anything like their team no. is just has nothing going for it it's literally john gibson just carrying a dead weight on his back <laughs> yeah he's speaking. a lot of old guys like some very good young prospects like uh mm-hmm. jamie drysdale trevor zegris or yeah uh, so but like very much down the road is what they're looking at. They're not trying yeah. to win a cup this year. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So that's, you know, we're through five here. Okay. Uh, in sixth, third to last, uh, with three points. So two points back of Anaheim, uh, albeit with one, with one less game played, mm-hmm. uh, one, three and one record, uh, the Los Angeles Kings. That tracks. That tracks. Yeah. I yeah. would agree with that as well. In seventh with th- also with three points, one game extra played one, four and one, uh, second to last, the Seattle Kraken, the expansion, the expansion Kraken. To some people, that will seem very bizarre. To me, that also tracks because I thought their expansion draft and the process surrounding it was a complete mess. Uh, so I'm not surprised at all that they aren't really getting off to that hot of a start. Also, their coach is Dave Hackstall, and nothing he's done in his NHL career has ever convinced me that he could, you know, have a winner out of the gate regardless of what roster he had so these all track these all track the only ones that don't really track is the third place team being seven point canucks that's uh pretty lame that that is pretty lame um but of course we haven't even gotten to the team in last which is with two points a (laughs) one four and a one four and oh record they won their first game and they have not won since the Vegas Golden Knights, as we yeah. all expected, right? Like, th- this is more why I wanted to start here. That is the biggest, like, whoa, what is going on? The bottom situation just dropped out for them. And, like, we're going to talk about it more when we get to the NHL stuff today. Um, but, oh, my God, I watched Vegas last night. Like, I watched them last night specifically because I knew they were not in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Uh and I was watching a team that looked nothing like the Knights that I'm used to seeing. And yeah. they're, to be fair, they're missing, um, they're missing Mark Stone. They're missing Alec Martinez, uh, Max Pacioretty, uh, Zach Whitecloud, um, and, and uh, Alex Tuck. They're missing basically a whole line. They're missing mm-hmm. a whole forward line, including their captain, which is like a kind lot. Of a big deal. Which is a big deal. Sel- for Selkie sure. candidate captain in Washington. exactly bingo exactly. But at the same time, based on what we know about the Knights of the past, you kind of still expect them to be at least in the conversation at the top. And yeah. for them to be literally in the bottom of the barrel, behind even behind the expansion team that didn't do so well, the one that's supposed to that isn't is meeting expectations as expected to a degree, mm-hmm. uh, is wild. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot more to talk about with the Knights later because even there's even more, like, juicy stuff about them to talk about of <laughs> yeah. uh, recent note. Um, but I mostly just want to start there. The Canucks are, yeah, they're third place with seven points. Um, and I think the fact that's most shocking, I think, coming into this is the fact that, again, the Canucks haven't been particularly good, necessarily. They've been very no. okay. And... Uh, and yet, and yet we're in a case where if the Canucks had just gotten a few of the points, let's say half the points out of those Detroit and Buffalo games where they really like the Detroit one where they got goalie, the Buffalo game where they absolutely stunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they get even half the points out of those two, they're in, they're in ninth and they're second. They're second in the division right now behind only Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, it is a bit strange because it is like, I mean, the discourse following the Seattle win too was like, look, they've turned their season around. They've figured it out. And it's like the Seattle Kraken were one, three and one at the time. Like yeah. beating them is not 
necessarily the hump. You're just beating bad teams. Yeah, it's I will. So I get and I guess let's just get into the I, we should just get into the cracking game here, because here's the thing. Like the, the one thing I will say that I agree on, and this is something I talked about before uh, this game happened, was the fact that I think this game matters, argue mattered arguably more than just about any other game will in the entire rest of the year. Not because there's any playoff implications, not because there's any like sort of like, you know, Important, like important two points on the line necessarily, mm-hmm. but about the fact that this is literally again, this is your geograph, your brand new geographical rival that you're playing for the very first time in their new building, and you want nothing more than to be the team that wins the first game. There are lots of games you'll you will both be good at different points, you'll both be bad at different points. You yeah. only get one chance to win the first game, and they did it. Yeah, that was a as a big win for the for like franchise history records, just like they could lose every single matchup from here on. Like it's not the, the, the yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins thing where like they, they they've won every single matchup against the Canucks for like, since like 2005 or something like that. It, it's them. It's either Pittsburgh or some other team, but I think, it, I think it's somebody else because Pittsburgh, like I remember in particular, there were a couple years where Luongo was just shutting down Crosby and Malkin, like nobody's right. business. So I know, definitely- I know they have some kind of weird stat where some team has just like historically like beaten the shit out of them since like, like the knownness days. I'm trying which- to, I think it might be Philly. Like that might you, I think you're in the right Maybe. ballpark. I think it might be Philly. We'll have to double check on that but like yeah. maybe but people don't worry about the streaks until you're you know 10 years down the road into that streak but mm-hmm. they'll always remember that the canucks won the first one yeah that's the hardest one to do you only get yeah because you only get one shot at it like in a way yeah. like i like i always kind of kid like i joke that like the calder trophy as far as like nhl individual awards is technically the hardest to win because you only get one only chance get one at shot. It. you get plenty like, of chances at the heart or the vesna you'd only get one shot at the calder you know eminem wrote a song and i believe the lyrics were something to the effect of you only have one chance one opportunity <laughs> Mom's and spaghetti. something something about mom spaghetti. I I, yeah. <laughs> I think it was I think it was a song about Italy. I I can't remember. But I, I think so. The point is sometimes there are really important competitive events that happen in a franchise or a player's arc. And this was one for the Canucks. And yes, Seattle sucks right now. They're really, yeah. really bad. They are I think they're better than they've been playing. Like, I think they're better than that. I think they've just been had a rough start. Like, I think they're better than on paper. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, like, across the league, like, it isn't just Seattle. There are a lot of teams that on paper should be way better than what their current record indicates. Uh, I think checking the scores right now, Toronto is down 3-1 to Carolina. And not saying that Carolina is, like, a bad team, but... Toronto it's, is spectacularly underperformed relative to what their rosters look yeah, like and what, and what you're used to seeing from them. Yeah. Yeah. And by that same token though, there, I think when we did our little season preview, we basically ranked teams, how we thought the season was going to end. And a lot of the times it came down to, Oh, this team could be here. They could be third. They could be fourth. But if something goes wrong with goaltending or X position, every the bottom falls out and we're already seeing the bottom fallout because of those x factors like this early like robin laner has not been good the tandem in toronto it looks like a disaster i i i tweeted about it like a joke but 
I cannot believe they saddled themselves to uh, Jack Campbell and Petter Mrazek as like their yeah. tandem to go forward with. Like, yeah. Jack Campbell waited until 29 years old to finally kind of break out as a goalie. And he did so against the same five teams or six teams in the Canadian division. He didn't right. even play any of the American teams. And they were like, yeah, this will work when we start going across the border and playing the Carolinas, playing the Washingtons, etc." So I baffling decision. I'm sure they're going to flip Marner for a goalie or something. Watch him flip a, uh, Watch him flip Marner to Vegas for Robin Lehner or something, something really stupid. Like Vegas, like and then somehow Vegas just magically has like an even. They just get they just get Flurry back for nothing. Oh God, yeah. Like I first. mean, if you want Flurry back, we'll talk about Chicago later. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, couldn't they're happen gonna, to a nicer organization. Couldn't happen to a better organization. But why don't um, we talk about the uh, Seattle game? Because yes. I've got I've got a story about the Seattle game. Oh, I'm excited. So, We'll get into this a bit later as well, but I obviously was very busy with the Abbotsford Canucks this past weekend. So I was really gassed after the first game, the Friday game, because I decided to drive Harmon Dial to his house from Abbotsford. And at the time, I I really was just like, oh, I don't want to drop him off at a SkyTrain station at 1130 at night. Like, that seems really mean. It's like dark out and crappy. Like, it just seems like a disaster waiting to happen. So I'll just do the nice thing. I'll just drive him home. Ran out of gas on the way there. So that was good. And I uh, got home at like one o'clock. Still had to upload all my uh, my video clips because the internet at the Abbotsford Center can't really handle it. And then I had to finish all my write-ups and all that stuff. So I was up until 4 a.m. after having woken up at 6.30 a.m. the previous... Oh, sorry. That's a lie. 5.30 a.m. the previous morning. So I was up for 23 hours. Um, and so... <laughs> I was very tired on Saturday, but I had to wake. I, for whatever reason, I woke up at 10 a.m. after going to bed like at 4. Fresh, fresh like, as a daisy, I'm sure. Completely fine. My body was like, yep, you're fine. And I was like, no, no, I'm not ready. And I had the radio hit with uh, Faber on his uh, program, the pregame or the, the Canucks warm up on Sports I listened. I listened in live to that. I was very I, proud. And I had planned my day around the fact that i was going on radio so i was like you know i'm gonna go hang out with friends we're gonna go to the breweries we're gonna like have a gas and i'm gonna steal away and then do this radio hit and then we'll go back to partying um that didn't really go to plan so i went to the brewery had some brews uh stole away while we waited for italian dinner and never got in but after the radio hit with 650 my body finally caught up with the 4 a.m. and was like, you need to sleep now. Oh, it and just hit you like a truck. It was like I hung up the phone. I was in like a back alley because I was. I thought I sounded really good. So I let out like a big like, woo, in the alley. And then like yeah. when I made that noise, all of the energy in my body went with it. And I was in this alley in Port Moody. And I was like, I have to walk like six blocks home. You're, I am you're, so tired now. Geez, your your body literally went like you. Basically, what happened is your body literally went. Oh, I know. I have this thing. I have this mm -hmm. thing at like whatever. Like like I think it was a your your hit was at five. So I, I think it ended around like five fifteen. Around five twenty. Yeah, something like, like that. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. Your body was literally going okay. At five twenty one. At five twenty. <laughs> we're we are using every last ounce of of energy we have. 
to keep this man alive until 520. After that, all bets are off and you just went, you just shut off. Yeah. Uh, That tracks, my guy. Yeah. So apologies to my friends who uh, went to my house. They went to my house afterwards because I was like, I I was in the alley and then Roxy shepherded them to our house. And uh, I got home after, you know, what felt like ages of walking. I set up the Kraken Vancouver game on our TV, inhaled my dinner. And then two hours later, so like midway through the second, I fell asleep. I just completely crashed with a bunch of people at my house. So shout out to all my friends who actually listen to this podcast. We love your support. I'm very, Thank very, you for, for keeping very my sorry. alive. Thank yeah, you thanks for, for not robbing me. You. Yeah. I'm I, w- so w- sorry for falling asleep that. on my couch. Or sorry, on my bed, actually, with the door oh, wide good. open. But nah. this is what happens when you uh, say that is, that goodbye is to your friendship. sleep schedule. That, that it really is. is. They don't that rob is true you if you that. can it's not it's not it's not just that it's the fact of like you could literally like true friendship is when you can literally just conk out in the middle of hanging out and they will yeah. not even bat an eye or like care like they'll yeah. just be like oh this this our, our buddy needs his sleep so we're not mm-hmm. gonna we're not gonna be like upset at that we're just gonna have hang out for a bit and then uh, let him have his nap because he yeah. needs it that's true friendship for sure so it was really funny because when i fell asleep the horvat goal hadn't happened yet the the tie the tying goal the, so the okay so one as nothing. far as I knew it was one nothing for Seattle the Canucks looked absolutely dreadful they were just getting beat everywhere and um I think I retweeted uh, Tucker Pullman GIF because uh, he had like some fumbled pass or something and I just was laughing at how bad his puck control is and I, that. <laughs> I fell asleep and woke up because I had to let my friends into the uh, underground parking so they could leave. And um, I took it. I look at my phone <laughs> and I have like 40 notifications. And it's because Connor Garland, the hero, uh, right. put in the performance of a lifetime to tie the game and then get the game breaking goal. And so I have two ats from Wyatt Aren't the Stanchion being like, hi, Cody. And I was like, what happened? How yeah. did this happen? So was- fill me in, Lachlan. What happened in that third period to turn everything around? So basically what happened was, so you were, you conked out at one, nothing, right? Like you uh, not. So the first, the, the first Horvat goal, you conked out yeah, before the I first was before one. that. Yeah. So yeah, the Horvat has, uh, has the goal. The, that line, that line of Horvat Garland and Pearson were basically just the only thing the Canucks had like going for them mm. offensively. The first period, they were very good. The, yeah. This is and this is kind of why we'll get into like why we're still very very like tentative on the Canucks right now and why yeah. we're being like kind of like tiptoeing with them a little bit. Um, but yeah. yeah, but in like the the final forty minutes of that game, um, literally the only offense that could really be sparked, with the exception of a little bit of again Nils Hoaglander being Nils Hoaglander mm-hmm. and just being an energy an energy hog, um, <laughs> is was the gar was that Garland Horvat Pearson line like they were they were the only ones who are being able who are able to consistently sustain pressure. Um, Mark Giordano scores in the third period about, uh, pretty early on, I think like five minutes into the third period, it's two to one Seattle. And you're kind of like, well, this is probably how it's going to go. Cause literally yep. for that, for all of that, all that second period, it was just the Thatcher Demko show. 
Like it was just Thatcher Demko standing on his goddamn head for <laughs> an entire, literally, really for the last 40 minutes. Like he was on fire the entire game. Like it was, it was arguably the best game I've ever seen from him. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked so incredible and was straight up bailed the Canucks out. Like they, they don't come close to winning that game again without him playing as well as he did. Um, Horvat gets the, gets the tying goal, gets another, gets a second, ties the game. Uh, there's about five minutes left and Garland gets, uh, beats a Kraken defenseman to a loose puck, uh, to a loose puck down the corner. He streaks in, fakes the shot on Grubauer from the, coming in from the right side. Uh, mm-hmm. Grubauer bites, bites big time on it in terms of just like, he does not even move. Like he very much freezes up thinking he's about to get like a teed up one time or slap, like hard slap shot up high. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead Garland just feathers it slowly through the pads. Like it's a very, it's a perfect, it's a perfect play. And it's one of those literally you can see Grubauer mid shot like it's the the Ralph <laughs> you can watch the picture the second where his heart breaks in half where you he can just knows that he's beat he he's like, knows no! immediately what he does because you literally can see it mid as the puck is sliding past his legs in the net you see his head go up like you just see <laughs> you see that fu- like that's just immediately I, I know that face too well because I've done it a thousand times and <laughs> yeah, Connor Garland. Uh, nearly there's, uh, you know, celebration in the corner. Uh, at one point, I think Wyatt pointed this out again, the whole really feeding into the Garland is small thing, uh, where Horvat basically shoves him like, Hey, Adam, yeah. and he nearly falls over. <laughs> like, just they're, incredible. They're, it's like their new shtick is like, I guess Seinfeld came on to Netflix. And so now everyone's doing the Elaine Bennis get out and just shoving each other yeah. as hard as they can to try shoving and knock buddies. over. Yeah. I, there's, yeah. I love it. It's, yeah. it's it's a cute little thing they do post game. So yeah, it, my question the, to you then is, um, who is your infinity blocker winner? Is it Thatcher Demko for bailing them out in those first few periods, or is it Connor Garland for playing so astutely that he managed to not only tie the game but also break the tie with his performances? This is very, very. This is probably the hardest Infinity Gauntlet like just dis- like decision to I've ever had to make. Okay. Um. But the reason here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm go I'm going the way you'd expect. I'm going with Demko, and here's why. It's not because okay. of the. It's not be- necessarily because it's not the goalie angle for in this case no, so much as it is the fact of. I think the game that Demko played on that Demko played was mm-hmm. so good, was so incredibly good that it is one of those games. It was one of those games and one of those like moments in history, I think, like in hockey history, where I think down the line, he's like a folklore legend in Seattle. In like mm-hmm. in the in the sense of like literally whenever anyone tells the story of I was at the first crack in home game, I was at their inaugural game like 20 years down the road. And they'll literally be talking about late, like at that time, like, oh, if only Thatcher Demko hadn't played so amazing, we would have won because that's literally what it came down to. They would have won that game if Thatcher Demko doesn't put up the performance that he does. And I think that's one of those cases where like the legend kind of outgrows the person kind of thing. Like just it was that kind of a performance, like in the same way, like in Seattle with like uh, I think it's like the Beast Quake, right? Like the Marshawn Lynch touchdown. Yeah. I've watched that touchdown before. It's not that like, it's nothing. There's nothing particularly special about the touchdown itself. It's a very routine, like it's a relatively routine 
play for Marshawn Lynch that he makes all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's the whole, he made the ground shake. It's the fact that he set off a literal earthquake, like a literal miniature earthquake from the because of how loud the fans were in Seattle. That's yeah. why it's, and that's why that's legendary to it's, this day. It's an iconic it's, moment. It, it's an iconic moment that transcends the actual person. I think what Thatcher Demko did in a, to a different kind of, in a different kind of way is going to be looked at in that same way where it'll be like, I remember Thatcher Demko in his first game against the Kraken. He had pads the size of tree trucks. He was 12 <laughs> foot four. Like that was like, it'll be yeah. one of those like legends of like Paul Bunyan kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Thatcher Demko. And just how incredible he was in that game. Okay, well that's fair. Um, to <laughs> to stick with my shtick of not appreciating Connor Garland, I'm not going to give it to him, and I'll agree Jeez. with you. And I'll also give it to Thatcher. <laughs> wow, you're you're not wanting to agree on goalies. Uh, yeah. your, your, of- your hatred, your arch nemesis Connor Garland outweighed. Not yes. wanting to talk, give like positives about the goalies. Yeah, I just, I just don't respect a man who spins on ice, and I, I can never reward him as such. Uh, therefore, I'll break the rule that I set for you when I said you can't pick Demko more than twice in a month, and here I am picking <laughs> Demko twice in a single month. So there, that's the way there you go. There you go. And Garland, I will say, also had the great play. I don't know if you saw the video or like the great moment. Uh, Emily Kaplan of ESPN caught it because ESPN was broadcasting that game. Mm-hmm. Um, she caught that uh, apparently during one of the during one of the games, a Kraken fan was literally just giving it to Garland behind the bench, like behind yeah. the glass. So it was just chirping him the entire way through. Garland would not look at him, would just not even give him the light of day. He scores the goal. He comes back. And again, shout out to ESPN because they caught it on camera. They caught the shot of him just <laughs> yeah. death glaring this fan so as he gets back to the bench. And that is phenomenal. Like, and, and I love how he coyly tries to deny it after yeah. and the press. And then he's I just like, when yeah, they do, well. like, ah, this, what do you, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. he, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I'm going to pretend I don't know. What openly you're talking about. like on camera caught red handed doing it. And I love it. It just makes me love him as a player more. Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of, like, that's cool. Like that's, that's the kind of funny, like, kind of like, that's the kind of things that you get in like a good season. Like in a way, like if that, if this ends up being a good year, like those are the kind of moments that people will remember like being like, oh, remember when Connor Garland just death stared a Seattle well, he fan. Just and stared just a, a random guy in, he, in their just, home game. Yeah. And he just turned him to dust like right then and there. Yeah. Um, I, so, um, I did want to ask you like from what you saw of the game, like again, first home opener for Seattle and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the brand new building and everything. I don't actually know if you've ever been to, uh, if you ever went to the old key arena, like if you ever no. did anything, like, I, I don't know, like if you've ever like done that many trips down to Seattle or anything. I think I've only ever done one in my life and, oh. uh, no arenas for me. In no arenas, no arenas. Fair enough. Uh, we're going to, we'll try and work on that. Uh, we'll work on that. I think there's a, I think that they play next January 1st. So we got some time. We got, um, time. we have some time to figure that out. Um, but yeah, the building looks, I will say this, the building, like for all the, you know, the, all the other stuff and the fact that we're going to hate this team probably for a very long time, <laughs> the building is spectacular. Like that was cool. Like, like I loved it. I don't know. I don't know how you felt, but honestly, like, 
Um, and, you know, there's the whole thing of like, I think we've talked about it before. Like, you know, it's called Climate Pledge Arena. There's a whole, there is the whole question of, oh, can it really, can you really talk about environmentally friendly through purchasing and consumerism? Like, again, that's a whole two hour, that's a three hour show within itself. Yeah, but as far as like from what I've seen from like what they've done with that building and kind of like the things that they are doing with it, I like it's stuff where I'm like, I hope the Canucks look at kind of some of the things they do there and try to incorporate it into the building that they have and try to, yeah. find to incorporate that stuff. Yeah. Like I like their, I like the, the game presentation. Uh, really? Okay. I, 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 I know Vegas kind of set like a really high bar with like the, the on ice graphics and like the, the pregame, like visual show or whatever. And they, intru- mm-hmm. they introduced the stupid, like, alarm or air raid siren Siren that now every team has yeah i i cannot stand that um not every team has taken everything they're doing but i like that seattle recognized that vegas had done something different and then hired the guy who created all that and then hired him to create a brand brand new a wholly unique uh pre-game ceremony for the seattle kraken like that's cool i'd love it if vancouver kind of took like notice from them and being like okay this is a like a direct like geographic rival like we need to compete with their on ice product and we have to do something so much more than just like whatever it is let's let's bring back you two as the intro song like let's yeah. like they need to do something so much more to like make it like a unique product because yeah. how many years have they skated by on the fact like remember 2011 like that's, oh god that's yeah remember 94 remember 1994 yeah it's so that thing that the majority of our fan base right at this point was not alive for like yeah like the yeah. nostalgia factor can only carry an organization so far for marketing and yeah. i would it's, love it if their big takeaway from the seattle home opener was like hey we should really spice things up a bit like remember when they did the video where it was um they were like knocking like zombies into like the glass. That was and stuff. incredible. I love like, that, that. Was great. That was great. But yeah. that should be like every game, something like that is playing beforehand yeah. and incorporated in the on ice graphics or whatever. Just something different and cool. Yeah. 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 One of the things that I think like the pandemic really killed for the Canucks uh, was I was really liking, like you mentioned, that was the, because that was the 50th anniversary was that year. That was the zombie film thing mm-hmm. that was a lot of stuff like the 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 chain redoing all the banners to match the colors of the era and everything that yeah. was all that year uh the jerseys during warm-ups like the fly seeing the flying v again seeing the uh the skate which is apparently coming yeah. back this year too uh it's yeah. the new third jersey uh from what i've heard uh it's a new third jersey because i think the stick and rink uh jersey is gone um mm-hmm. from what i can tell um and uh you know all that stuff and they did such a good job with it like that was one of the first times where i was like oh the canucks have actually really stepped it up in the in the uh like the in-game entertainment department and like the hype video department which is i think important in this day and age like it's really Mm -hmm. important i will say personally i was underwhelmed by the krakens like in game oh really i thought it was lacking like i again vegas high bar set a crazy high bar uh one that hockey is that hockey teams are just generally not ready to match uh at this point in hockey in hockey's involvement involve evolving uh culture mm-hmm. um but i i thought seattle could have done more and i heard i guess part of that might have been just due to the fact that the arena was literally just getting done 
like over the course of like the last week or so because they just grand opened like the day before or like two days before was the official grand opening of the building yeah so that i think that kind of played into why it was a little bit underwhelming because i was like they didn't even do like a ceremonial puck drop they didn't do like there was no mascot there was no nothing like there was no like any like again no graphic like ice graphics like they didn't have like a I don't know. I don't know what exactly I would have expecting from them. Like I, ex well, I guess more I expected them to really play into the Kraken, like mythical creature aspect that I felt sure. was not there. You know? Yeah. Fair enough. Like I guess I was like super wiped and exhausted, so it came but off a lot better than it. Maybe it was it really fine. Was. Like it was but the thirty-two was embarrassing. That was a bit of a that was that, a bit I actually completely forgot about that. I actually just did <laughs> everything I just said about their pregame ceremonies. <laughs> Erase it right I actually, now. yeah, I completely forgot about that. That actually, yeah, they don't deserve any praise because that was so that was, deeply embarrassing. <laughs> I can't was, believe uh, I forgot about that. that my was, brain was like, yeah, you don't was, remember this. That was the so most cringe. high. That was the most high profile thing they did in that ceremony, and that was like, oof. That was weird. Ugh. Like again, say what like say what you want about the Canucks and like how they retire, how they've maybe retired, retired too to many seven. jerseys, or like for a team that has not won a championship the, or whatever. When they hung but the seventh man banner, I was at is... that game. I have that flag. I have the flag that they handed out from those games still to Ugh. this day. Uh, I was at that game. It was so funny, and it's so funny looking back on it, knowing that I was like one of the only, literally like one of the <laughs> only people that ever saw that be a thing at that in the building. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, yeah, the, uh, I, I, I feel some bit of way about teams retiring jerseys for the sake of retiring a Jersey. And I already yeah. heard a rumor that apparently if, the, when they play Montreal, like, well, I heard, like, I think Jeff Merrick was hinting at the idea that apparently they might throw a Stanley cup banner up there for the Seattle metropolitans because they played the Canadians to win that cup. Uh, back in 1909 or whatever, uh, or whenever they won that championship, like the Metropolitans won that championship against Montreal. Uh, the exact same team coming to the building on uh, tomorrow. And nice. I was like, that's, and I'm like, I, I, and again, another one of those cases where I'm like, that's bad, but like, that's a bad omen. Never hang a ban a cup banner. Yeah. That you did that not you, yourself. Your win. organization never actually won. No, if you want to <laughs> do it. If you want to do it after you win something, go ahead. Be yeah. my guest. Not before. <laughs> Never before. That's a it's, bad omen. You should. She would have happened like a hundred something years ago. Exactly. Like if like I would love for the Canucks to hang up like a Vancouver Millionaire Stanley Cup championship banner, but not until they actually win one themselves. There's yeah. a reason why that's not up there, and it would be cool because again, commemorating hockey history in your area is great. Like that yeah. is cool. There's nothing wrong but, with that. You know. Just, you know, don't hang a banner, a championship banner that you did not yourself <laughs> yeah. win unless you have one already to show for it. Because then it looks like you're trying to, like, pass it yeah. off as your own. And that's like, sad. Like, that comes off like you're desperately trying to convince, like, new fans. Like, we have a we're winning relevant. culture. We're relevant. We, have, we know how to win. Yeah, we have a winning culture. We won 100 years ago. And then we just kind of put it all on pause for about 85 years. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> or I guess like close to a hundred now. Yeah, yeah. We just, it's we a just long ass time in, ago. We, we put it in park. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think overall, like uh, I saw, I will say this. I saw some people like in terms of like some people, like um, the Canucks did like a hype video. They did like mm -hmm. a, a whole thing. They, they were really like, Oh, what are we going to call this rivalry thing? And I saw some people getting like a little bit like, uh, like 
I guess I'll say like annoyed about it, like getting a little bit overly annoyed about it where they were like, this is forced. This is uh pointless. Like you know, there's no history there. It's like, it's like, okay, but also like, why not? Like this team yeah. doesn't, again, they have nothing this, else, right? They're, they have, the Canucks don't have a rival. I think this, I can't, I had an epiphany the other day. Let me know what you think here okay. of like how to describe what the Canucks have gone through for the first 50 years until now with Seattle is the Canucks for a lot of teams will say, I think in particular, if you asked a lot of Canucks fans who their main rival is, I think they would say probably Calgary. They'd probably mm-hmm. say Edmonton. They might, they might maybe say Chicago, Boston, but that's a little different. I would say it's probably sure. like Calgary, Edmonton, and then maybe like San Jose. Maybe. Yeah. And even then. And even then, right? Um, and in both of those cases, I think if we were to like, let's say if we were to kind of like put it in say like superhero terms, for example, like the the arch nemesis kind of vibes, if the flames are Batman, let's say the flames are Batman, the okay. Canucks for the flames are like the penguin. They're an important villain, a very important villain. They've gone through a lot of history. They've had a lot of battles, but they're not the Joker. The Oilers are the Joker. They're the more, they're the, when people think of Batman, they think of, who do they think of as our, his main rival? It's the mm. Joker, and that's Edmonton. For Calgary, for Edmonton, it's Calgary. For San Jose, the Joker is L.A., maybe yeah. Anaheim on a rare occasion. The Canucks sure. have never been somebody's true, somebody else's true arch rival. Like, they've just <laughs> never just had – they're just there. They're just there because, like, they've had scraps. Like, they've had, like, important battles for sure, but they've never been the – the team like they've never been the team for somebody else except for like rare years like and that's why i think this matters this is the first time that i think they're actually gonna have like actually have a real like batman joker-esque <laughs> kind of arch nemesis in seattle if things go well yeah that i guess that tracks because i mean it'd be really funny if like seattle like had a bunch of heated games with like like anaheim and then <laughs> the Completely. Canucks lost their geographic rival immediately. You, you mean like you mean like how Arizona and Vegas was supposed to be a big rivalry, yeah. and that completely never happened because the Coyotes just kept getting their ass just handed so, to them. So so bad that you like that's the thing is like a rivalry has to begin when the teams are like on the level playing field for most of the time. Like it, during the eighties, yeah. like Calgary and Edmonton were like competitive with each other. Like they yes at one point. Edmonton went on their run of cups and then Calgary won one a few years later. Like it's, it checks out that they would have a rivalry because they were both competitive during the same window. Obviously one of them had the greatest player of all time. And that's kind of fucking hard to beat. The Canucks is just like, it's like, okay, who did we, who did we most recently lose to in the playoffs? That's our rival, right? It's like, it's Blackhawks. Oh, that rivalry's dead. Uh, I guess it's the flames now. Oh, we've been garbage for years. Who's our rival? I don't know. Yeah. I guess Calgary? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calgary, sure. Yeah, and but, again, Calgary doesn't think about us in that way. Like if you ask no. them the other way around, they would not tell you that there are that they're that there are tribal is. They'd be Vancouver. like you're they'd no- say it's you're nothing to us. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And that's and again, that's again that and a part of that is again due to the geographical aspect of the NHL and the fact that like of course Edmund like yeah like even if like even yes the the obviously the the history matters but of course mm-hmm. the two Alberta teams are going to hate each other more yeah. than them one of them will hate Vancouver they don't have like there's no there's no bragging rights on the there's not necessarily any major bragging rights on the line there outside of a division right. title 
So it does have to happen organically. It like I totally agree with that. Like there's a reason why say like San Jose, the rivalry is there now with, as well with Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've battled a bunch of times in the playoffs. They had some mattered. great playoff battles, right? Like it, it, you have to have these things like grounded in something, right? Like the Canucks yeah. just like every time they get to the playoffs, it's like some random opponent or whatever, or black the yeah. Blackhawks, and then yeah, by the time the Canucks were ready to. I guess settle in their competitive window. It was like the Blackhawks were just better. And so it was too late. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's exactly how it goes. What's I will say what is kind of nice. Like, and this is like, this is kind of in a way to give credit to the NHL to a sense. It's wild to think about the fact that last this time, a decade ago, like this was just coming off of 2011 or we'll say like 2011, like before they got to their cup, they did their big cup run. The -hmm. Canucks were in a division with Minnesota in Colorado because that was what they had. Those yeah. were their division right. Those were two of their division rivals. And then the and then j- literally I believe it happened during the like like the day of game 1 of the Stanley Cup final for the Canucks and the Bruins was when it got announced that the that the Thrashers had been bought by True North and they were moving to Winnipeg. Yeah. The and that and that in itself completely changed the way the NHL realigned like all the divisions. Uh, it made it, it facilitated the opportunity to put Vegas and Seattle here now and look and like, honestly, like how much better is the league for it now? Like that we're in a, in a pot and like the Canucks are better for it now that they have a Seattle to play against that they have yeah. a Vegas to play against. Yeah. I mean, there were some growing pains, right? Cause like Winnipeg was in that, that awkward division where they were playing like all They're the, in the Southeast, South, the Southeast division, Florida, like Nashville and Washington, stuff. It just like made yeah. no sense at all. And then, uh, yeah, then you get Vegas in and it kind of balances out a bit. And uh, now you have Seattle and it actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Divisions are finally kind of normalized a bit. There's actually, there are actually six, like 16 Western based teams now. Like, it's not like before where they were totally padding it being like, what are you talking about? Detroit is totally a West coast team. Yeah. What, what? Like, and have you heard of the name, the Midwest? Yeah, duh. Have you ever, you know, Col- uh, Columbus Blue Blue Jackets Blue like Western Oceans? Like <laughs> they're like really trying yeah. to sell you on Columbus being yeah. the being in the West, even though they play on the Eastern Time Zone. Like yeah. that's exactly like yeah. The the leagues come a long way. The Canucks are much better for it. And honestly, like in a way, it's one of those cases where it's like you want Seattle to succeed to a certain degree in the sense of like, because you want this to be there. Like you want this to exist as yeah. long as it can. It, so if like best case scenario or worst case scenario, depending how you're looking at it, the best thing that could happen is Seattle and Vancouver are either playoff teams this year, or they're both out of playoffs this year, because yeah. at least then they're on the same kind of trajectory. And then, you know, then at least they have something in common. Like, cause yeah. it's hard. Like, you were saying with the Vegas and Arizona thing, you can't have one team being like this world beating contender. And then the other is your first line center is Jay Beagle. It doesn't work that way. Exactly. Uh, I don't know if you saw earlier today, like right before we started recording, speaking of the coyotes, there was at one point where the Panthers were winning two to one. Uh, The coyotes had had one shot on goal, (laughs) just incredible masterclass. They're so good. They're so Um, good at hockey. Exactly. Um, before we kind of move on to the other like Canucks stuff or like the other, sorry, like the, uh, the, like the, the rest of the NHL, like any, mm-hmm. like sort of like, uh, Abbotsford stuff that we should probably, t- that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, there are two th- other things we should talk about as well. One being the fact that like the, is Elias Pettersson, Elias Pettersson, we should talk about a bit. Um, yeah. uh, there's a, 
there has been it's been it's been a bit of a tale of two like two two players in this case for in for PD this to start this year. Like he has been okay at bat at times. Uh, and then there was a Seattle game where I honestly was like, oh, he looks like he there looks like there's something bad. wrong. Like, yeah, he genuinely looked like he was having a bad game. Um, and like there were like lots of routine plays that are like routine for him that he would yeah. normally be so good at like picking up or making that play 99 times out of 100. Today was the day where that 100th time kicked in in all categories for him. Like that was the 100th for him. Um now, some people are certain people are making it way too big a deal and are being like, and are really trying to be like, oh, this is a greedy player. He got his money and now he stopped trying. And they're really like, go like, apparently people are just like, like bending over backwards to blame him for the team not being as good as they are, which is just Seems like a asinine. bit of a miss, a miscalculation yeah, it, on their part. Yeah. It's what it, it's very much a, a, a complete overcorrection here. Yes, he has not been great. Like he hasn't been fantastic, especially not by Elias Pettersson standards. Mm-hmm. But he's not like the reason the team hasn't been as good. Like he, de- it definitely affects their like, uh, like trajectory, but not to the degree that people are making it out to be. Right? Yeah. Well, it's like the it's like the Quinn Hughes thing, right? Where Quinn Hughes was out one game because of injury or exhaustion or whatever it is. And everyone flipped out being like, oh, the team sucks without Hughes. This is all, um, you know, this is all Travis I mean, Green's stand- fault. Oh, and it's, yeah. It's like, don't you just see like how much the team relies on one player to make things happen? It's kind of the Pedersen situation. Like realistically on a good team, him being absent shouldn't impact anything. If he's gone or having a bad night, that's why you have your top nine that you've been advertising for the last six months, right? So that they can carry the load for when that player isn't having a good night or isn't producing whatever. Yeah. Uh, It's the same thing. You can't give him shit for this. Like last year he started slow as well. And now he's starting this season on like, he didn't get any preseason camp. He didn't play since March of last year. Like he had that wrist injury that took him out of the rest of the season. Like he is behind the eight ball. So of course he's going to have like a really slow start. And the people that are like giving him shit and saying he's like selfish and not worth the money, like give your head a shake. That's when the the guy's on, he is like far and away the best forward on this team. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's it's one. Yeah, it's one of those cases where whenever you see someone bring up specifically bring up the cap hit in terms of like those situations, especially with like young players. Yeah, um, you always know that's kind of like it, it It always comes off as kind of like projecting in the sense of like a you're, little bit. you're more just upset that, you know, it seems a little bit sometimes like people are just upset that they can't get paid $7 yeah, yeah. million dollars to How come I play, can't make $7 to, million dollars to sit on the bench? I'll do yeah. that. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's one of those like I could do this and uh I should have paid this much money a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Not everyone's like that, but like there're definitely a section of people that are like that for sure. Yeah. Where it's the it's the you're mad that somebody is getting paid a lot to do something like <laughs> kind of fun, like to do yeah. some to play a sport. Uh which is silly at at the end of the day because the reason why, again, the reason why people they can get afford to get paid that is because again, they're worth it and they'll make that money back to Yes. Eventually they will be right. absolutely worth it, right? Yeah, bingo. And like I like again, I will say with Pedersen, like I'm a little worried just in the sense of like 
not in this like just in the fact of like it's uncharacteristic to see him playing like the way he did against Seattle where I really was watching him like like there were a couple plays specifically where I just remember watching him either like like a pass that he a routine pass that he'd bobble or like a uh get picked off by or he'd get picked off by a and intercepted by a defenseman where I'm just like oh something's not right I don't know if it's a confidence thing I don't know if he's not a hundred percent right now I don't know what but he looks off and yeah yeah he he really does like like play like he's like he's playing 4d chess with himself like he's overthinking everything he does yeah kind of and it's obviously led to some pretty bad results just doesn't look comfortable at all either like he doesn't look like he has any chemistry with any line they throw him on it's like really it's quite jarring yeah uh for for a guy like him like you just kind of like we are only six games into the season so theoretically it should come around for him but yeah like the last few games haven't exactly inspired confidence that that day is coming right not not at least like in the in the immediate future yeah 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 it's a it's a yeah it's weird like but also and and also like i think it's worth throwing in there like the fact that i think a lot like i think a lot of the reason people are kind of yet to start really worrying about the canucks or how they're playing mm-hmm. is largely due to the fact that Pedersen hasn't been super great as well so it's a little bit of both for for some people where they're kind of trying to have their cake and eat it too a little bit like where they're like oh you shouldn't worry about the canucks it's only six games in but also Pedersen is but also Pedersen <laughs> yeah. is doing really badly and uh, yeah. this is him now like one of those things um but there were also like a couple like tweets where i saw like people like in a way doing the opposite thing where they were, were doing like a very similar thing where they were like um specifically there was the tweet i think it was from dan riccio uh that was like a little bit like where i i saw that and i was like hmm like not in the sense of it was like a bad tweet necessarily or anything but what he said i think it was, he said something along the lines of like when elias Pettersson is playing at his best this team is going to be hard to beat and i looked <laughs> at that and i was kind of like on one and i see the logic on that like i totally see the yeah. logic on when your best player is playing at his absolute highest level, the high the level you know he's capable of, it it you definitely expect the team to play a lot better around him and play with a lot more confidence. I totally see the logic on where he's coming from with that. But at the same time, the problem is is that it doesn't feel like the rest of the group is necessarily is you worry that with the rest of the group in particular, uh, with the especially with like the bottom six, the depth guys, that this is as best as they can do. And that even yeah. if Pedersen comes back playing at his best, it's not going to be enough because that's a lot of pressure to put on one guy in a way is to be like, oh, once he's back, <laughs> the, everything is going to change about the group. Yeah. And a lot of people like th- this is not this is nothing about about Dan's take in particular. I think there's a lot of people who believe that once Pedersen plays at the level he's capable of suddenly that's going to bring the talent level up of everybody around him and my biggest concern from what i've seen from the first six games is that this might be for some of those guys as good as they can do yeah like jason dickinson for example has not had like a good start to the season he finally scored a goal uh again nice goal yeah it was a good goal chicago yeah yeah but again against chicago like right is he is he scoring at all if say they're starting off their season playing Vegas? I mean, actually, I guess Vegas not really the best example, but imagine like, Vegas know, like, was good. But like, and, imagine they're playing and, like a, a top tier team. Is Jake, Jason Dickinson scoring his first goal yet? 
in the first 10, 10 games of the season. I don't know. Like, yeah. He wasn't brought in to be a scorer, but like, yeah, the same, but, no, you, but get you exactly where the, the, yeah, that's the, you expect him to step up in that case to, to carry the load a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. And I think he's paying three years at one point something million dollars, yeah. or whatever. It's not an expensive contract, but yeah. for the contract that they signed him for, you'd hope he would be able to chip in and look a bit more effective than he has through 10 yeah. games. Um, but yeah, I don't quite understand or buy the logic that like Pedersen reaching his rookie form is going to somehow rally the troops to also play above their current playing ability. I definitely get a vibe of what we see is what we got. Yeah. And like, look from certain groups, like again, I mentioned Horvat Pearson and Garland. If that's the best they're doing, they're doing great. They're doing arguably better than they have in past years. Like you and I both noted that, Pearson looks way faster this year and he looks like he's playing with a new gear, which is yeah, fantastic for, especially for a guy like a, I don't, I, I forget if he's 30, like already hit 30 or if he's just a shot, like a shade under 30, like he's around that area where he's like, you know, normally you expect the players to start slowing down a little bit. And here he is kind of picking up a new gear a little bit, which is great. He's uh, just Garland, 29. There you go. So yeah, that's like right around the, where the, I think they say like generally the, the, the peak is 27, off. 27, 28 is about where your like peak years come in yeah. or like maybe 26, 27 around there. So for him to somehow be faster than last year is kind of, imp- is very impressive and is bodes well for him. Um, obviously Hor- Horvat got off to a little bit of a slow start. I think like there were games where I was definitely like, I'm not noticing as much of him as I'm used to. And that's concerning, but he's picked it up big time of late. So he looks a lot more like his normal self Yeah. and Garland is on literally, I think the best, the best start to a Canuck tenure in, in the franchise's history. Like he has, uh, points in his first six games or something like six out of seven. He has seven points in six games. He's leading the yeah. team. He's looking incredible. Like that's he's an, right. He's, yeah, he's all, right. Exactly. All he's right. Smart. I forgot who I forgot who I'm on this you show. You forgot who you're talking to. Yeah, uh, I did. Um, yeah, he's been playing yeah. okay. Yeah, they've been looking. Yeah, he's he's had a great start to the year. Um, but then there are guys like you know, and JT like you know JT Miller, who I think has actually done okay. Like you look at his points, he's actually doing all mm-hmm. right. Brock Besser, you expect a little bit more of, but he was injured, so you're giving him time. It's, again, it comes down to the depth, guys. It comes down to the, okay, you're being called upon to, you're going to have to be relied on to do a little bit more, to punch a little bit above your weight, punch a bit. And certain guys have been very clearly not capable of doing so. Like, particular big standout from the last game uh, was Tucker Pullman, who honestly looked awful. Like, he looked awful terrible for all the for all the the things that people were like giving like we're talking about Pedersen I was watching like oh my god Tucker Pullman looks absolutely awful and he is driving me crazy every time he steps on the ice I literally tweeted texted you because uh I was like I like I think Tucker Pullman's gonna make me forget about uh Tyler Myers real quick uh and any like any issues I had with Tyler Myers Tyler if you're listening I'm so sorry you look great buddy you're doing a fantastic job you're doing great darling yeah Tucker Pullman literally had a game where he not only was routinely giving the puck away in his own zone he also literally high sticked Quinn Hughes in game he high sticked his own damn defensive line mate defensive pairing 
in the face and he had to like caused him to bleed and he had to go back and get repairs like yeah jesus yeah. like good lord like that one obviously is like a that's a just a you're having a bad night like and i but also like what the hell <laughs> like I, why are you here I can't even chalk it up to him just having an off night because there's in all the games that i've clipped of the canucks every single time i usually get like three or four of tucker pullman just like like you wonder how he got to this level with such a poor ability at controlling his stick or even like like making a pass is like a tough task for him yeah it's amazing he's at the level he's at and earned the contract he did considering how bad he is at just basics it's yeah. shocking that yeah. that high sticking thing was so funny to me that was it was to me i just like was like shh, like i just remember i buried my head i was like good lord this is a court <laughs> of course this is what this is how it goes right um and then like you see like later there's like the clip of literally hughes like accidentally running into uh brandon tanev gets called for interference anyway gets called for interference after, and then Brandon Tanev literally on that play and him and uh, I forget who the other player was basically tag team to haul Hughes down immediately after like Brandon yeah. Tanev literally has him and locked his legs around yeah. his left. His, he just like, straight up like hit, he like scissor was a WWE to pull him off. Yeah. Or yeah pull him down. It's so funny. no call. Absolutely no call. And then you literally see Hughes like on the way down, like spit out some blood on his yeah. way through. And because again, Tucker Pullman high sticked him earlier. And mm. I'm just like, Jesus, this is exactly how this, like I ex fully expected the Canucks were going to lose at that point. I was like, geez, this is, yeah. this is exactly how it was going to go. Isn't it? And yeah, like uh, to be fair, like I think Drancer put it really well. Like he had the tweet where he was like, Tucker Pullman is a guy being asked to play top four who shouldn't be playing top four. He's being asked to do way too much for what he's capable of. And yeah. I agree with that. Tucker Pullman is probably, if you're asking him to play on your third pairing, is probably fine. Like that's probably okay. Like he might not be the best option available, but he could at least tread water, I think. Yeah. From what I saw from him in that game, I'm like, God, I really, um, in a way, I was like, God, I really don't want him to ever play again, to play on this <laughs> team again. Put him, yeah. you staple him to the press box right now if this is what you've got. Um, one of the things that we, uh, I guess, we'll, we have to touch on right now, kind of in relation to that, is apparently, according to uh, uh, Matt Sakaris of Sakaris and Price, uh, with Jeff Patterson, I think, sent the tweet out. Uh, Travis Hamanick is en route to Vancouver. So. Uh, hopefully uh, the, the uh, things that we're pretty sure are, were why he's not here have been sorted out. And this isn't the Canucks basically looking at their defense and caving and going like, Oh, we need, we, we are, need him regardless. We need him regardless. You God, you uh, hope so. I hope um, they don't cave on that because that, that would be really, that would be really, that, that would be more embarrassing to me than any loss than any loss yeah. of like that you could have on the ice. That's like, more that, embarrassing than the 32nd number jersey retirement like that's yes that's really bad that would be um, very very bad and i really hope that that's not what the case is here i hope that it's one of those cases where uh, travis hamnick had a, a different point of view of a different point of view coming in so you know i mean what a look it would be to basically say to your team that uh everything you went through last year regarding co uh, actually no, i'm not gonna get into it I'm yeah we don't need to it. get into it we've done it enough we've yeah. done it enough i will say that it would be interesting especially considering like the nhl literally just today or like yesterday was like hey guess hey good news we're literally only down to one player who is unvaccinated <laughs> yeah in the NHL. 
for them to be like, uh, just kidding, it's two again, uh, that would be very embarrassing, especially considering the way that things have gone. So hopefully this is a case of, you know, Travis's, or if, again, again, we have to be so careful here because it's like, if what we are pretty sure is true is true, you hope that that's what it, like, that that's how it's gone down. Uh, again, there could be other things involved. And yeah. again, this is why clarity is important in certain aspects. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out eventually, but for yeah. now, uh, yeah, if the Canucks he, defense is rough. If he starts in that Abbotsford, I'll make sure that that is the first question and only question I ask him. Oh, that's going to be, uh, oh man, I guess that's a good, like, uh, bef like, I guess, yeah, that, that would be a good segue. And we haven't talked about say like, cause tomorrow's like the home opener with Minnesota and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. I think first we'll, we'll do, uh, we'll do, we'll do Abby next corner. We don't really have a good name for it this year because yeah, no, because cause the name is pretty comments corner name. doesn't roll off the tongue. And if we just said Canucks corner, that could be anything. Yeah. That, that uh, could refer to anything on the NHL team, so it doesn't yeah. really help or specify here, anything. Here, okay, uh, for any of you listening, if you have a name suggestion, please send it to us so we have yeah. something to to discuss here. So, Cody, Mister, sorry, accredited, accredited AHL writer, you. yeah, yes. accredited media person, Cody Sievertson <laughs> was on hand for both of the Canucks' first home games in Abbotsford uh, against the Henderson Silver Knights. Yeah, both of which they won. They're two and zero, oh, and Cody is in the building. Coincidence? I think not. Yeah, think about uh, it. Yeah, think about it. The, the it's 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 all changed since uh, Cody's been around. <laughs> um, again, like honestly, like this is a you know it's a very exciting day. Like it's a very exciting. It was a very exciting for you to like. I saw some of like you know your picture, your your game your game day drip as the kids would call it. As the kids uh, say, yes. as the kids would say, head to the rink. Just you know, give us a little taste of uh, the experience you went through and your your first uh, your first ever uh, your first ever games as a as a media person getting to cover uh, cover an AHL team uh, uh, live and in person after doing it for so long from uh, your home. Uh, it was interesting to say the least, and it was really fun. Obviously, getting to actually go there live and then talk to players and coaches after the game. Totally fun, totally unique experience. Never would have expected that to happen uh, in my lifetime. Frankly, starting out in my little uh, cave basement suite uh, that overlooked the cemetery. And now here I am with a badge that actually says media on it and my site's name on it. Like, that's pretty surreal. That uh, cool. The games themselves, very wild, very chaotic, very ugly and crappy. Uh, but it's fun. It's AHL hockey and it's not meant to be like really structured or organized. It's pretty much there for fun. And that's exactly what fans got. Um, I did not like how rainy it was on Sunday because I had to stand out in the pouring rain in a lineup of 30 people to try and pay for parking. And then uh, when I finally got to the line to pay for parking, my uh, card didn't work. <laughs> so they, um, they, uh, the guy who was really nice, he was like the attendant or whatever. And he was like drenched as well. And he was just like, he, he texted the security and was like, don't worry about stall number XXX or whatever. Cause this guy's been like, like yeah, I didn't I was, have an umbrella. I, I didn't have anything. I was just standing out in the rain, getting I was, soaked. I was gonna say, I would, I would imagine with media people that you would get in, that you would get parking for free generally. Like I, I know at least that was how it worked in, like when I did AHL in San Jose. Like there was a list. Like obviously, any they, person who was on the media list would get to park for free, and you didn't have to, you didn't have to pay. Um, so I would, I maybe, maybe that's uh, so interesting. But like, maybe yeah, that I, is. I'll have to reach out to maybe, the maybe you literally just. Like, I'll send him a receipt. Yeah. 
Because again, like they usually have like a VIP like or like list like that's generally like not just like, you know, like players, families, players, what have you, coaches, like, etc. So and I would imagine that media or like scouts of that would probably be on that list to be like that accommodating. So maybe maybe you just forgot to ask, but who knows? Either way, it's not a huge deal. It it didn't really impact my evening. Still had a great time. Got to see Mikey DiPietro in one game. Artur Silov's his first pro shutout in the next game. So if you want to check out those re- recaps, I did them both. They're on my site, ahlnuxharvest.com. I won't spoil anything, but you should read them. Uh, they're really exciting games, and I had a lot of good juicy quotes and clips to go nice. with it. So check those out. Yeah. Um, in Shall terms- we get into... Oh, sorry. Oh, I had a couple more questions for you. Oh, you did? Uh, yes, I did, because you're an interesting person. I don't know if you knew this. Um, I did not know this. The, the other things I wanted to ask you about specifically in terms of, like, the experience, because, again, you were at the... You were just at, like, two games. You were at the first two. You were at the very first yes. two for the team in that new building. They have not even played, like, exhibition or anything. Um, Like, what was... Like, what was the actual, like... I think they won... They won the first game, if I remember correctly, Madison Bowie with the OT winner uh in again mm-hmm. uh what like what's the atmosphere like for those games like especially like different was there a huge diff what i what i'm most interested in knowing is was there a how big a difference in a way was there between the atmosphere at the first game like the big one the first game of the franchise and then moving over to the second to the second game did it change much or is it still pretty much like same crowd same vibe kind of thing uh first game was pretty hype People were going nuts. The crowd noise was really good, like in arena, like the venue has really good acoustics. So you can really hear like, you know, when something crazy happens and the crowd goes nuts, like you really feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, Second game though, attendance dropped dramatically. I think the first Mm -hmm. attendance was something like 7,000. And then the Sunday was down to like 3,900. So like it was like halved. Mm -hmm. Um, you still you couldn't really tell like the crowd was still pretty loud in the Sunday game like it didn't really you didn't really notice it but like when the when the barn is packed it you, you know really can that. feel it and it feels a lot more like there's a way better energy so yeah it was it was yeah. fine you can't you, yeah it, if you're there you'll really enjoy it it's a it's a good like I don't know, it's just like a local yeah, it's, hockey. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very fun. much it's very much the case of like if you're there, you're a diehard because you really like it's not just it's not that you're there because it's like the big hip, like you know, it's not like the the pro leagues essentially where it's like the big thing to do. People are going like, you know, you see it at every Canucks game, every NHL game. There's always like the space is just for like the people who are there on like business on business meetings, like the the people who are there, yeah, it's there a, the, the clout yeah. aspects, which is you know your call your decision obviously at the ahl you don't really get that so when the people who show up for those games those are the people who absolutely just love hockey to death and want to go and want to just support any local team they can so that's always pretty cool yeah for sure it's it's a lot of like the locals too and it's the people that like can't afford or make it out to the canucks games in downtown vancouver so they get something else to do a lot of jerseys out there a lot of sedines a lot of horvats a lot of berets oh yeah but a lot of great black skates. So I, quality yeah. quality stuff out in the valley. Yeah, I will. I will say I got some severe FOMO uh, from seeing all the pictures of you guys like uh, doing the not just doing the media stuff, but even like the crowd shots of people just being at the game. I was like, oh, I would give anything to be there. If I had a car, I would have driven up, driven up, bought a ticket, and just walked my way in. You should have just walked, man. I should have just walked. You're right. A real fan would have walked. 
a real fan. I'm a fake. Excuses? I'm a fake. I'm a fake fan. That's right. Since I've become a media person, you. I'm a fake fan. Yeah. Not to gatekeep um, you, but you're and then, like fake. <laughs> yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, Daniela Klimovich has yeah. had a pretty good start to the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said before, there's a lot of stuff that he needs to work on as far as like getting to an NHL level. Yes. But as far as the AHL is concerned and playing at the AHL level for a kid who's 18, if I remember, he's mm-hmm. 18. Mm-hmm. Like he's, would you like you, I imagine he's doing really, really well considering that aspect of things. Right. Yeah. Like his, his puck handling skills is clearly like you can see like the NHL talent that is there, like how quickly he, he can move the puck and just like control puck while under pressure when he is without the puck is where he will need to improve the most because it's a lot of laziness. It's a lot of not really engaging or activating or trying to chase down puck possessors. It's a lot of, it's a lot of sitting there and waiting for the right opportunity where the puck is on his stick and he can do the thing that he's best at. It isn't really attacking uh, 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 defenders. It isn't really any of the defensive side or the two-way play it's purely just bread and butter if i have the puck i'm going to rocket a shot or set up a teammate for a shot like he doesn't really do all the other stuff which i'm sure the coaching staff wants him to try and do but trent call had a quote where he was basically like i'm not going to try and overwhelm him or try and like basically coach him to death he's just like wants him to have his swagger at this level especially as an 18 year old and he wants him to just like kind of develop on his own and figure it out as he moves along which is fair because the team is deep enough where he doesn't really need to be like in like a mark stone of the ahl level like he's still so young he's like 18 until january like he is wow a child like i joke that you're a child this guy is an absolute child he can't drink drink here he cannot have a drink here no he's he's just like a little baby and yeah. he is doing very well against men in on North American ice, not speaking the native language in a new culture. Like he's adapting very well given what's against him. And he's at three points in five games or four points in five games, whatever it is, but he is doing very well in a league where typically the younger you are, the more hard it is for you to succeed. So he's doing well. Awesome. That's that. And uh, yeah, that's what people want to hear right now, because literally, I think that's a lot of <laughs> they, they not need to hope. I think a, well, a little bit, because you know what, like there again, there's not a lot down in that team right now, as far as like the long term future is concerned with, again, the exception of maybe Jet Wu, the goalies and Klimovich. That's about it. You have some yeah, guys that who might do decently who might do decently in a pinch, but they're not like part of your long term vision if you've got one. That it's those other four at the very least who are. So you gotta, so you know, you find your find your victories when you can get them, especially at that level. So and it sounds like, yeah, they're off to a decent start, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, other than that, some NHL stuff, folks. There, fortunately, we don't have anything miserable to talk about, so that's great. Um, <laughs> we have very happy things to talk about, like uh, Chicago Blackhawks playing like such dog shit that they're talking about firing their coach. Um, I'm sure you saw this. The the image of Jeremy Colleton handing the the final play board to his players and asking them to draw up a play in uh, no, overtime or whatever it is. No, yeah. I didn't. What? Um, you can look it up. Jeremy Colleton, Colleton ha- like had like a timeout 
he had the board basically to drop a play in overtime or like the final minute of play or whatever to try and tie things up. And instead of drawing up a play for his players, he handed it to Patrick Kane or whoever it was and was like, yeah, you guys figure it out. That's fucking that's not, And that's not a joke. That's literally like what happened. That's I did not. I did not hear that at all. That's insanity. Oh my yeah, God. Uh, that, well, you know what? Making that the rounds changed, on Twitter. It's pretty great. Yeah. That partially changes the question I was going to ask because okay. in a way, like not too, not, not a lot, but it changes it in a sense. Cause I was like, I was hearing all the stuff of like the, like literally you're seeing the things were literally like uh, before the home opener uh, when they're announcing, like introducing all the players and all the, like the staff and everything. When Jeremy Colleton was introduced game one in Chicago, not the Vancouver game, the game before it, he got booed. They booed him like loud and obvious. Like the majority of the people were booing him, which is insane, which I'm like, Oh my God, that poor guy. Um, Like, and it's one of those things where I'm like, I've partially been like looking at the team. I'm like, is it really his fault or is (laughs) it, I don't know, maybe the fault of the guy again, who assembled him, the team who also is in trouble for a lot of other reasons. Is it maybe his fault? The team is trash. Like, what's Jeremy Colleton supposed to do with that kind of a roster? Like, what? Well, what is he? We've talked I mean, about it on this show in a in similar vein, but like, this is a different. This is this is this is worse. This is much I worse. Think, I think the logic is that in in Chicago, like ownership's mind, is they sold the fan base on look at who we got in the off season. We got Seth Jones. We got Mark Andre Fleury. Like. We got rid of Duncan Keith and his like contract. Like we, who else did they get? They got uh, Caleb Jones. Like they, they did all these moves and basically advertised the fact like, oh, we're not done yet. We're this is our bounce back year. And um, they went all in in a year where they were should a hundred percent not even be considering going all in. Yeah, I mean, amazingly, Patrick Kane is like a point per game player, which that's but that's, that's Patrick Kane. you expect that to yeah that's a shame uh, uh but you know what i mean like it's just like they obviously it looks worse for jeremy Colton because the the team was sold to the public as like we're gonna cut bounce back we're not gonna be like a bottom feeder anymore because look at these moves we made yeah. uh jeremy Colton's gonna uh, show us the way and obviously the moves have backfired terribly that seth jones contract might get bought god. out before it's even like day one of the deal it, god it is so yeah that's right because it hasn't even officially kicked in which is no bananas but, it so is for those so... that don't know his current deal it's the last year 5.4 million and then next year totally uh, running until 2029 2030 so when i'm 40 years old this, this contract so will expire at a cap hit of 9.5 million dollars Jesus Christ. So if they bought that out, it's like an 18-year buyout hit. How the how, like <laughs> I like okay. I how did he get like I in one hand I'm like literally I'm like, how the hell did he get that much money? Like because he plays how? a lot of minutes. Like that's literally they saw, it. They saw the Tampa it. Bay series where he'd play like 42 minutes they and saw they were like, like that's four all games of him, and that was it. That was they saw four games of him against Tampa, like five games against Toronto uh and that was it that was enough for them to be like yep this guy is a great defenseman and oh my god he is not he is so bad he's so bad in his own end it is crazy um 
And also, just friend, another thing that's worth noting as well is because, again, like you mentioned, his cap, it doesn't kick in. It doesn't kick in until next year, which means that, the which, again, reminder, the Hawks had to trade for him to get him. He, mm-hmm. They could have not. They could have left it be. Uh, they could have not traded. They could have, like, waited a year and then signed him to something. No, okay, they actually you know, traded assets. I have the trade right here in front of me. I was going to say, both. you you read out the trade assets, and then as soon as you're done, I'm going to read out the uh, the buyout details, okay? Oh, God, here we go. So, right. in exchange for Seth Jones, they sent the Blue Jackets, Adam Boquist, Jake Bean, Cole Sillinger, a first, and a first-round pick in 2022 or 2023. That, they sent some of their, like, best young talent and a first round pick. I <laughs> potentially won that might be dead last and yeah. has no lottery protection for, for Seth Jones and a contract. I, he does I not believe, have, and he's not on yet. I believe the pick is top two protected. Okay. It's oh, okay. <laughs> that makes think, it better, which might help, but God. So for those that want to know any of you Blackhawk listeners or, um, I don't know if you're just lost or whatever. Yeah, uh, the buyout details. So if they bought it out before the contract has even like begun to like kick in, year one, the cap hit would be $10 million instead of 9.5. Then for the next three years, or sorry, the next two years, it'd be $3.3 million. Okay. And then in year four, it's a $5.3 million hit. Then year five, a $7.8 million hit. Uh-oh. Year six and oh, no. year seven and year eight, it's an $8.3 million cap hit. And then so you're it keeps going. So you're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years of a $1.3 million cap hit. That's a lot of moolah That's for a, a guy but, who looks awful. Yeah. But But guys... <laughs> He needs to be one of the first three we named to the U.S. Olympic team because oh, I yeah, the, yeah sure. also because not only am I the GM of the Blackhawks, I'm also the GM of the American Olympic team, and I picked two of my own damn players to be the first ones on the team. Patrick yeah, Kane, sure, that makes sense. What that makes sense to to an that makes total that one makes sense. Austin Matthews, obviously, and then <laughs> Seth Jones. <laughs> Really? There wasn't any other American defenseman better? I could name like five off the top of my head right now, like including one that he was literally partnered with in Columbus, the better of the two, Zach Rorensky. Like, come on. Uh, I Again, I am very much of the, like, considering the amount of things going, again, yeah, in a way, yeah, straight up good. Like, it could not happen to a more deserving, like, like, GM and, like, management team. God, because, yeah, for all the stuff we've learned about the Blackhawks this summer, they deserve all of this. They absolutely deserve to wallow in this crap for the rest of the year. Marc-Andre Fleury. I feel the only person I feel bad for, really, in this situation is Marc-Andre Fleury, because poor guy, he could have retired. He could have, like... just retired. He could have retired, and instead he chose this, and God, it has gone so badly for him. It's gone so badly for everybody, it's like for all like the like for like you know you feel for some of the players obviously like you know they weren't there it's not their fault that like mm-hmm. some for some of them some of them were not there and then and again like i think it was again like uh patrick johnson i think tweeted it like oh, during the canucks blackhawks game 
uh, during Patrick Kane's 1,000th like, game ceremony, the whole team knew. That's all that you need to know. The whole team knew what was mm-hmm. going on. And yeah, they deserve what they're dealing with. 110% full stop. They deserve to be this trash. And I hope they're this trash for as long as they don't address the crap they've done. Good Lord. Um, For other feel good news um, for you, you, uh, sports fans out there. There was another embarrassing loss for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, The Pittsburgh Penguins didn't have Jeff Carter, Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, and... They still, still crush the Leafs seven to one. God, you, you love was... to see it. Uh, checking the scores right now, uh, the Leafs have also dropped their game against Carolina four to one. Austin okay. Matthews gets his first point of the season. Uh, we love to see it, folks. We're loving all the good news, all these feel good newses to start the week. Um, couldn't be any better. Uh, Lachlan, I'm looking at your notes here. You want to ask me, fuck Mary Kill on a three random things what yes i'm going what to do these stand for so sir? this so this is going to be the this is our last segment of the show this is our last show before halloween um we actually <laughs> we didn't even talk about the the whole the whole thing that you had over the weekend as well where oh uh, yeah it's getting pretty serious you, you got you you got personally uh brought up by uh uh a wag uh, I, by a uh i for, I'm, I'm i did not write down her name uh but she uh, is Claire stewart uh, Claire Stewart, uh, the, thank you. The spouse of a of Lawson Kraus of the Arizona Coyotes. Yes. Last year, um, I think it was Samantha CP underscore who like tweeted right. or retweeted like her Halloween costume or whatever. And I jokingly was like, Yeah, it's kind of shit. And yeah, uh, you were like, oh, but it's yeah. I, I basically <laughs> I like that. said like your costume was shit. I didn't bu- I didn't buy the costume for what it was. And yeah. uh then I went it on a like, big tangent going over yeah. her other costumes and being like like really overly critical to comedic effect and she She got it she she added me yeah she got the joke that's that was good it it would have been really bad if he was like who the fuck's this she was like you had actually like offended them like that yeah yeah but like but one year later not even a year later uh dropped my name out of nowhere qt'd the original and was like uh i need a good costume idea and so I pitched a few to her and her spouse, Lawson Krause. So hopefully, if Canucks fans are listening and things go the right way, we could be seeing Lawson Krause and his spouse, Claire Stewart, in Louis Erickson Eat Pussy Headband Drip, which... This show's explicit, right? I tagged that because <laughs> we... Ah, it, I think be. so. Yeah, it should be. Uh, but yeah. fingers crossed, if you want to, you can probably find the tweet on my timeline somewhere. And uh, I think the more likes it gets, the more the bigger the chance that we'll, we'll actually see this happen. Because there would be nothing funnier than Louis Erickson going to Arizona, and then everyone just wears costumes based on that trip that he took with all the Canucks to Mexico, and he was spotted getting lit, yeah. shaking a maraca with an eat pussy headband. Very so, funny. fingers crossed, funny. folks. I put in the work for the memes and the dreams. Um, yeah. Fingers crossed that actually yeah. happens, but but anyway, um, so yeah, back can... to the back to the fuck Mary Kill. Okay, close so up yeah, to close up before Halloween here. Um, we can either do this fuck Mary Kill or we can just straight up do like your rankings here. Um, so for those of you who don't live, who necessary, who don't live in Canada, um, basically every Halloween, uh, at the like the grocery stores, the main grocery stores, 
you can, of course, get like, you know, when you're getting Halloween candy for trick-or-treaters and stuff, you can obviously, you know, go and get like the bags for like the specific kinds of candy you're looking for or whatever. But mm. we also have something that I've never seen that I never saw in the States when I was living there. This is a Canadian specific thing is these boxes, these big multi-pack boxes that each comp that like a bunch of the major like candy companies make that each have like a set, like have a, a basically a roster of candy in each of them. Um, specifically the three that are most popular, there's a red one, there's a purple one, and then there's a black one. So the, and just, so I'm going to read the three, I'm going to read the three, uh, boxes out and like what the, each of them carry. So the, the red box is the Nestle box, which has, uh, which generally comes with Kit Kat, Arrow, Smarties, and Coffee Crisp. Okay. The purple box is the Cadbury one, and it comes with Caramel, Crispy Crunch, Mr. Big, and Wonder Bars. Okay. And then the final one is the Mars box, uh, which has Mars Bars, M&Ms, usually peanut butter and chocolate, mm. uh, Twix, and Snickers. Ooh. There's also there's also a Hershey's box, which comes with yeah. like uh, that's the white box. Comes, that you, yeah, either like right, like either white or brown. Uh, yeah, yeah, it comes with Reese's, O. Henry, and Hershey's. Uh, I did not include that one because I thought that one because it's all like peanut. Like generally, I think all of them are basically peanut things. I didn't necessarily include it, but here, well, you know what? We'll throw it in. We'll throw it in. We'll say that one's the white box. Okay. Uh, we'll throw the Hershey's box in there. So okay. I guess we'll say like I guess because now we we have four options. Yeah. If you want to, instead of doing uh, fuck Mary Kill, just do the rank them like which ones are your which one you feel are like the best to least here. Okay, uh, I guess I'd go marry the Hershey box, uh, fuck the black box, the one with the M&Ms and stuff. Okay, okay. And then kill the Cadbury box, because Cadbury's are gross. That is, yeah, okay, that's, I think that's about where, um, oh, you said the, Her so, okay, so where would you put the, the Nestle box then? Where does that one rank in if you're putting that, like, if we're going one to four here. Like the Kit Kat red box or whatever? Kit Kat red box, yes, the red I'm one. good, I'll pass. Really? Okay, okay, so it's also there, interesting. So for me, for me, yeah, I will say I agree, like, I think the purple box is the one I would not go for. I think all of these have, like, one candy that I'm not, like, crazy about. Yeah, that's how they always do it, right? They load yeah. it up with the candy nobody wants, because they yeah. can't sell it. They, lo they load it up with the candy that no one wants so they can get rid of so they can get rid of it, some of it, right? But each of them also have, like, things that I like in a lot of them. I would say that if I were going rankings-wise here, I would say I actually put the red one at the top for me. Um, because I'm Fair. a big Kit Kat guy. I'm a big Kit Kat guy and I like mm. coffee crisp. I'm not as crazy about Smarties and Arrow, but like, I like them enough that I would eat all of them sort of sure. thing. Whereas say like the Cadbury box has like crispy crunch in there, which is like kind of like a Butterfinger. It's like a different, Just it's crappier. like a weird coffee, like toffee flavored coffee, like yeah. a Butterfinger. And I hate those. Like, I can't even eat <laughs> them. Like those just get thrown out. Like that's the candy that gets thrown out for me. So I'd put purple in four. So I guess kill off the purple box. Um, the Reese's where I have the hard time. Reese's are my favorite of the can of like candy. I would say outside of like peanut butter M and M's are my absolute all time favorite candy. Mm. Um, what's your favorite candy actually? Like, what's your like? If you were picking just for you, what is your number one? Ooh, I I am partial to uh, Glossette raisins. Really? I would not have expected that. That's a that's it, that's a that's an I'm not like a chocolate feeling. guy either. Like, okay, I'm, I'm really not, but so like those. I mean, okay, that I think that like the gloss, the raisins. So the the raisins yeah. are the peanuts. Yeah. 
Okay. No, no peanuts. What are you? Not the about? peanuts. That's no you're peanuts. not a, interesting. You're not a peanuts guy. Okay. See, no, I'm never. very much in the if you're if the candy has peanuts in it, I am much more in. I am I'm hooked. I'm you're on board. I'm sold. I'm on board. Yes, I'm a, yeah. very much so. Like I like yeah, peanut butter M and M's are my favorite candy. Next okay. up is the is Reese's or Reese's cups. Um, oh yeah, Reese's and, cups are absolutely rock. Yeah, absolutely rock. Which is why I think like if I I if I'm including the Re- the Hershey's box in here. I would yes, I would actually have to say that it jumps over the it jumps over the the uh, the the Mars box for me into second. It's second, yeah. The Cadbury box, the the Mars box with the M and M's, the Twix, and the Snickers is third because I would eat most of those, uh, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't eat Mars. I don't like Mars bars, so I would not be as interested in that box out immediately out of the gate. And then the Cadbury one, there are most of those are just not my favorite. I'm not a big caramel yeah. guy. I'm not yeah, a big, again, not big on the weird Butterfinger style candy. There yeah. are more things that I would be less interested in eating in that one. So yeah, like re- it goes red, white, black, purple for me. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. If you guys differ with our opinions on which box of candy you would sexually gratify yourself with, <laughs> leave it in the comments. We have a YouTube channel. We've got a podcast channel. You know where to find them all. We talk about every single episode. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, all them jams. We have our YouTube channel at the Crease Cast. We also have our Patreon where we have $1 and $5 tiers. Lachlan, where can they find your content? You can find my content on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lock in the Crease. You can also find my writing work over at CanucksArmy.com. I write for them pretty frequently. And uh, oh, yeah. you can also check out uh, my other podcast, uh, Locked On Canucks, which I do which I do with Nick Bondi uh, Monday to Friday. Although, uh, actually, this is Bondi's last week. He's actually, uh, oh. Wednesday is his last show before he moves on to a much cooler, much bigger uh, job in his life. So, uh, he, so uh, it'll just be me on Thursday and Friday of that show. Uh, and for like a little bit, for like at least the next little while. Uh, but yeah, go check that out. Cody, where can they find you? They can all find me at Cody Sievertson on Twitter and my website, ahlnuxharvest.com. Most recent game recaps are up there already. They think baby Canucks come back this weekend for the final two games of a four game homestand. I'll probably be at one of them live, but I don't know. I'm very tired. I might just skip it and record from or recap from home. Otherwise, folks, make sure you like and subscribe. Leave us some reviews. We appreciate those as well. And we'll catch you next time we record together. We love you and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye.